So Jesus was walking along one day, making his way towards Jerusalem. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 18. We're going to jump right into the story this morning. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And isn't this a question that we've all laid awake in our beds at night and wondered about the cosmos, wondered about the heavens, wondered about where, you know, what happens after death? What is, what is the next step for me? What's my purpose in life? Why am I here? What was I created to do? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? We're in Luke chapter 18, verses, uh, starting in verse 18. Again, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So this man has been asking or he's been questioning, he's been wondering, he's been thinking about eternity. And thankfully for him, the first thing that we see is that he went to the right place, right? If you have a question about what happens after death, the best thing to do is to ask the creator of life what's going to happen next. This man goes to Jesus, and as he's, as he's walking on the road, And he asks him this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In his conversation with Jesus, he's going to learn this. He's going to learn if we want to be a part of the kingdom of God, we need to be willing to give up the things that hold us back. Father God, thank you for this time that we have together to to learn from you today. God, I pray that you would use these next few minutes to open our hearts. God, to show us a new way to, to, to live. God, to show us things that in our lives that, that maybe are keeping us down, that are holding us back, that are stopping us from achieving and, and, and getting to everything that you have for us. And God, I just ask that, that now you would open our hearts to hear your word today and to respond to what you would say in Jesus' name. Amen. In terms of the, uh, the, the terms in the, in the Bible, we're going to, as we're reading through today, we're going to see the kingdom of God and we're going to see the kingdom of heaven. And oftentimes these terms are used interchangeably. But it has a, this, this present quality to it. The kingdom of God is here now and also the kingdom of heaven is to come. But also you could say the kingdom of God is to come. And so there's this, there's this now and this not yet quality to these terms. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. We've been talking about what it means to be a part of his kingdom. And what we've said is that that God's kingdom is anywhere. It's, uh, do we have that? Uh, God's kingdom is any person in whom God's agenda is fulfilled. And so so we see that that in, uh, in God's way of doing things, that wherever we are, his kingdom is. Wherever, wherever we go, God's kingdom goes as long as we're allowing his agenda to be fulfilled through us. But also there's this not yet quality to it where, where God's kingdom is here, but also God's kingdom is coming. And so we see, we see this in, in especially our, our verse for today that, that's going to say the, that there is, there is something more to expect. There's something more to experience. There's something more out there than just what we're getting right now. Jesus here is going to equate eternal life with the kingdom of God. Verse 19, why do you call me good? Jesus answered. 
No one is good except God alone. And I have to imagine that right there, Jesus kind of winked at his disciples. Nobody's good except God. Wink! You know, he's like, <laughs> he's like, uh, nobody's good except God, right? And he's, he's like pointing at himself. Anyway, um, he says, he says, no one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. He's talking to this, to this ruler. He's talking to this, uh, this rich person. He says, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. You can, you know, you've, you've heard all of these before. You've grown up in the church. You've grown up. You went to synagogue. You experienced what it was like. You've heard all of the teachings. So the, the man comes to him and says, what do I need to do to be perfect? And Jesus just reads him the law. He says, he says here's, here's what you need to do to be perfect. If someone keeps these commands, my question for you is, would you consider them a good person? If they're, they're not murdering, they're not stealing, they're not lying, they're honoring their parents, we would, I think we would all in here consider this person, yeah, you're, you're a good person if you keep these commandments, and yet Jesus is going to show us that good isn't good enough. Why did Jesus choose to focus on these commandments, I wonder? The most important command... Jesus would say later, is to love God and love others, and yet he doesn't include this in this list of commands right here. What is Jesus, what is Jesus trying to say? What is he trying to spark in our minds? I think that Jesus knew, I know that Jesus knew what was going on in this young man's heart. And when he looked at him, he realized that there was something deeper at play. I think that, that when he listed off these things, he knew that the rich young man was going to be able to agree to him right away. Oh yeah, I've never killed anybody, and I do my best not to lie, and I don't steal, and I, I try, to, try to honor my parents. I'm, I'm a good person. And how many of us in here have thought to yourself, I'm a good person. I am a good person. Jesus says, all right, this is a good start. We're, we're, okay, we're getting somewhere. If you would have said, no, I'm a murderer, we would have had some other conversations, right? But, but he, says, he says, okay, you're, you're off to a good start. The, the man says, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And when Jesus heard this, he said, he said, you still lack one thing. There's one thing that's keeping you from eternal life. What I want you to do is I want you to go, I want you to sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and then you're going to have treasure in heaven then come follow me. I don't know if God asked you to do anything like that. I don't know if, if God had said, okay, the prerequisite for getting into heaven is I need you to sell everything, give it to the poor. I, there, there are people throughout history that have done that, haven't they? People go to a, a monastery or something like that. They give up all of their worldly goods. They go... They, they spend, you know, all their time at a church. They're like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm devoting my life now to, to God. Jesus is so smart in this, in, in talking to this, to this man. Because in verse 23, it says, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. When he heard this, he became very sad because... He was very wealthy. So, so somebody, the implication here is that somebody with a little to give away 
would have been a little sad, but somebody with a lot to give away is a lot sad. Right? The, the, the person with a little is able to do it. The person with a lot has a harder time. Jesus is so smart in this. He meets him where he is, and then he offers this challenge in order to get him moving. So what are, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but what are the commands that Jesus didn't say? I've got a, a list of them that we're going to throw up on the screen here. He missed the first one. Love God more than anything else, right? You shall have no other gods before me. He, he didn't say that one to the rich young man. He didn't say the second one, don't make anything more important than God. Don't have idols, right? Don't make a statue. Don't make an image. Don't set something else up in the place of God. He didn't say that one to the man. He didn't talk to him about don't taking the Lord's name in vain. He didn't talk to him about remembering the Sabbath. And he didn't talk to him about not coveting or not being jealous of what other people have. So he listed five commandments, and yet the, the five that he didn't list are the, the ones that I, I could probably make a pretty good argument that this man had broken all five of them, or at least two or three of the five. And it's easy for me to stand in judgment of this man but I can kind of relate. Truthfully, honestly, I can kind of see what's happening here. To put this into terms that we've been discussing for the last seven weeks, what Jesus is saying here is that you say you want to be a part of the kingdom. You say you want to be somebody in whom God's authority flows. In other words, when God says something, then I do it, and yet I'm saying something to you now, and you're choosing to walk away. It's about hearing God and doing what he says. But you, speaking to the rich young ruler, but also speaking to my heart, he says, but you want to hang on to your money, to your position, to your authority, to your status, to your security, has such a big one. That idea of security. If I just have X amount in the bank, I know I can weather whatever storm comes at me. I know that I'm, I know that I'm secure, right? And so, so we, we find ourselves then in this position where, where just like the rich young, young ruler, God is challenging us today. God is challenging us today. I don't know what, what money might represent for you. It's, it's not about the money. Okay, so, so we're going to try and, we're gonna try and uh, set that aside for a moment. Instead, what I want us to think about is what does that money represent for this rich young ruler? Because for some of us, it's not about how many zeros are in our bank account. For some of us, it is zero that's in our bank account, but that's a different story. <laughs> it's, not about, it's not about how much we have, but our, our family becomes our idol. For some of us, our kids become our idol. We, we revolve our entire life around our kids and around raising them. For some of us, that's the way that it's been. For some of us, it's sports. For some of us, it's cars. For some of us, it's our job and the, the status that comes along with our job. For some of us, it's our position in the church. I don't know what it is 
for you, but I just want to I just want to challenge us today to kind of open up our hearts and say, God, what are what what is what is it in my life that might be holding me back from all that you have for me? What is it that's making me or that where I'm I'm loving something else more than I love God? That I've set something else up on a platform in place of where God is supposed to be in my life. The question is, will you choose to be a person in whom God's agenda is fulfilled? And this man chooses to say no, doesn't he? He chooses to walk away. He chooses to walk away sad because his heart's been exposed. He knows there's, there's still a tension in him. He still wants to get to that eternal life that he knows Jesus promises, but he walks away sad. Because I, I, I just can't do it. How many times have we been offered a chance to really dive in deep to what God has for us? And we've decided, well, I've got this other thing. I've got this other priority. I know that God is asking me to teach little kids, but I've got these other things that have come up. I know that God wants me to use my, my talents in the church, serving down at a soup kitchen, going and, and connecting with, with people that are, that are in need, reading to kids at schools. I don't know, I don't know what it is for you. God has something that he's asking you to do. And yet we, we, we walk away sad. We walk away conflicted. We walk away hurting because we know what he's asking us and yet I didn't do it. And now I feel guilty and I feel bad. I feel like I've let God down. Again, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands in here, but I bet if I did, all of us, would raise our hand, and all of us would say, at some point in my life, I've chosen something. I, I knew that God wanted me to stop and help that person on the, on the side of the road whose car was broken down, but I didn't do it. And then afterwards, I, I felt guilty. I felt, I felt ashamed. I knew that, that God wanted me to pay for the groceries of the person that was in front of me in line, but I just felt weird. I, just, I, didn't, I was uncomfortable, and so I chose not to, and I, I, didn't, I didn't do it. And so we go away sad. Now here's something that I want to point out, and I want to make sure that, that you guys all hear this, that this isn't a salvation issue, right? The Bible is very clear that salvation comes by grace through faith. And so when we go to God, when we, when we ask Him, when we, when we you know, make Him the Lord of our life, when we set Him up and say, okay, God, now I want to live for You, when we ask him into our hearts, the Bible says that we're saved. The Bible says that we're going to heaven. But there's so much more. There's so much more that he has for you. There's so much more that he wants you to do in this life. And I think there is a case to be made. And I think as you, as you read through you know, Acts and then you read through Paul's letters and, and on and on, you'll see, especially if you read through James, you'll see that, that if we ignore that prompting, 
So often, the, the question eventually comes up, is Jesus really the Lord of your life? Are you really willing to do what he says, or, or are you just in this for, to get out of hell? Are you just in this for, for eternity, and maybe you enjoy the coffee on Sunday mornings, and so you come, come to church, but, but that's, that's it for you. And so I think there is a, a question that you need to wrestle with, but the Bible is very clear about how, we, how salvation happens. The Bible is very clear that when we give our hearts to Jesus that we are saved. But it doesn't let us off the hook, does it? Because how many times can we deny God before he looks back at us and says, I never knew you? There, there's a tension here, and I, I want us just to sit in it for a second. Verse 24. Jesus looked at him, and so Jesus looked at him as, as the man is walking away. Jesus looked at him, he turns to his disciples, and he says this. He says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And I want us to replace that word rich right now with prideful. How hard is it for uh, the greedy? How hard is it for the lustful? How hard is it for whatever it is that you've set up on a pedestal? How hard it is for that person to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, he says, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this, his disciples who are standing right there, who have, have, have walked with him, they've given up. We're going to see in just a, just a couple verses, they've given up everything to follow him. They say, well, wait a second. If, if a rich person can't enter the kingdom, then, then how can I? Because how do I know that God is blessing somebody except that they have stuff. Right? How, do I, how do I know that, that God's favor is on somebody except that everything seems to go right for them and they're doing well in life? How do I know that God is blessing them except by their bank account? So Jesus says, <laughs> Jesus says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Now, this is a verse that I remember when I was growing up, we had this on the, on the wall of, of the church. It was like, you know, uh, stamped on the wall or painted on the wall or whatever. It said, with man this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. And I, I, I so I've, I've grown up around that verse. I've believed that verse. I've, I've prayed that verse. God, this feels impossible to me, but I know that all things are possible with you, and yet this verse really is talking about entering the kingdom, right? It's talking about, and it's talking about not just the, the kingdom here, but it's talking about that, that not yet kingdom of God. With man, or what is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible with man is possible with God. I, you can't do it on your own, can you? You can't get there on your own. In all of us, there's something. Some of us, it's a bank account. Some of us, it's something else. But we've set something on that pedestal. we said, this is more important than God in my life. I got to help Tiffany over the last couple of weeks with uh, a sewing project that she had. And uh, I was having a hard time threading the needle. Um, so many of you guys recognize this right here. This is, a, this is a thread puller. This is something you stick in the needle and then you push the thread through. Tiffany introduced me to it. Because I was like, my fingers are just, 
They just don't work this way, right? I just can't, I just can't, it's not, it's not working. So, so Tiffany was like, here, let me, let me give you a little tool to help you. And this is, this is kind of what God extends to us. This is God's grace. A thread puller, a string puller is God's grace extended to us to say, hey, I know you're fat like a camel and it's impossible for you anyway, but I'm going to pull you through. I'm going to bring you through that, that needle so that you can come out on the other side. It's a, it's a ridiculous illustration, but the whole thing is ridiculous. Jesus picked this exactly because it's ridiculous. Jesus picked this to say, imagine the biggest animal that you've had experience with on a regular basis. Imagine the biggest animal. Maybe it's, maybe, it's your, maybe it's your dog. Maybe you've been out hiking and you've come across a bear. Maybe, it's, maybe you were at the zoo and you saw a lion. Whatever it is, maybe you were out at, in, the, in the water you saw a whale come up alongside your boat. Or even out in the distance and you're like, man, that thing is massive. He's like, he's like look at the biggest thing that you can imagine that you regularly interact with and imagine trying to push that through the eye of a needle. You can't do it. Nobody can. And yet with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Jesus' statement saying, how hard is it? It's not about money. It's about heart condition. It's about what's going on inside of me. But the truth is, is that money is just so seductive. It, there's something about it that, that pulls on us in a way. I mean, there's a reason that Jesus says you can't serve both God and money. Right? He calls it out point blank. He says you, you cannot serve both God and money, at least not in your own, not in your own flesh, not in your own spirit. And those of us with a little bit more have to work even harder to make sure that money is off the throne and Jesus is on it, right? Okay, skip down to chapter 19. I, I have another, another uh, section that I want to read to you guys. So, so we're going to see, we have the rich young ruler who goes away sad, but just a few verses later, Luke gives us an example of somebody who gets it right. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. So he was the head of all of the tax collectors, which meant that there was kind of this, this uh, uh, pyramid thing going on, right? Where, where the, the tax collectors would extract money in taxes. They would, they would take a little bit of it for themselves. And then the rest of the money would go up the chain. The next guy would pull a little bit out, stick it in his pocket. The next guy would pull a little bit out and stick it in his pocket. And eventually it got to Zacchaeus and all of the money came to him. He sent some of it off to Rome, but some of it ended up in his pocket as well. And he had influence over all the tax collectors to say, hey, you know, you guys have been raising the rates by 3%, but let's bump it to 3.5% because I need a new Ferrari. And so we're, gonna, we're just going to pump these numbers up a little bit, right? The, the crops have been a little bit down. We want to make sure that Rome is getting theirs, but I also want to make sure that I'm getting mine. So, we're gonna, so he's the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So what does he do? He goes, he runs ahead, he climbs a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him 
and says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm going to stay at your house. I'm coming to your house. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this, and, you know, they're people are people, right? They, they, so the people begin to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Now, what was the rich young ruler looking for? He was looking for salvation, right? Jesus says to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. In other words, he's, he's uh, you know, at, at that point, he's a, he's a Jew. Later on, we would learn that there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. But, but for right now, he says, he says, this man is a son of Abraham. He gets in. He gets it. He figured it out. This man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's interesting to me that, that Zacchaeus didn't need anything from Jesus, did he? He didn't go to Jesus asking for anything. In fact, all, all Zacchaeus wanted was to catch a glimpse of him. He climbs up in that tree, not expecting to, to receive favor from Jesus, but just, just that he might see him, just that he might be in his presence for a minute, just that he might be able to watch him walk by. And that, that heart is then honored by Jesus. Jesus sees him up there. He says, hey, I'm going to come to your house today. When he understands then who Jesus is, he's moved to repent and to make right the wrongs he has committed. This isn't about money. This is, this is something inside of him. It reveals the condition of his heart, doesn't it? It reveals that something is going on inside of him that's changing, that's different now. He had an encounter with Jesus and now he wants to be different. Now he wants to change. You see, in these two, two contrasting stories, both men were rich and powerful. One man thought he was doing well in life. He had five of the Ten Commandments down. The other man, he realized that he was cheating people. And as soon as he encountered Jesus, he's like, I need to make this right. Zacchaeus was aware of his own wickedness. Despite their financial wealth, they have different levels of understanding about how poor they are in spirit. And I think this is really the key that we learn in these two stories, is one man recognizes his spiritual poverty, and the other man doesn't. One man is moved to say, I can give up everything else. It's funny, because we, we read a story about this just a couple weeks ago, about a man who's walking through a field, he finds a treasure, he immediately sells everything he has to buy the field where the treasure is, because it's so valuable to him. And this is exactly what Zacchaeus does here. He immediately says, I'm going I'm to make it right. Something inside of my heart has changed now. I want to make it right. Zacchaeus sees how much there is to gain by following Jesus. The rich young ruler only saw how much he was going to lose by following Jesus. And so for us today, the challenge is, 
first of all, what is on the, what is on the pedestal, right? What have we put on the throne of our lives? What, what, are we, what are we worshiping? What is that thing? And then really the question is, what are we missing out on by continuing to leave this up here instead of putting God in his rightful spot? What are we missing out on by doing that? A couple weeks ago I asked the question, what would make somebody want to give up everything? And Zacchaeus finds a treasure that's worth more than gold. This is why Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Right? This is why Jesus says exactly that. Is because, because God revealed to Zacchaeus that there was something more. We don't, we don't get to see the whole interaction, right? We don't get to see exactly what Jesus does. We don't know that, that Jesus performed any miracles. We don't know what, what Jesus was teaching on when he went to the house. We don't know when exactly all of these things took place. But I think that's on purpose too. Because God can use anything. The Holy Spirit can use anything to speak to us. What's become an idol in your life? We had a, a funny situation right before, uh, right before service during worship practice today. Um, there was a football game happening, and there was a, a certain pastor on stage who decided that it would be fun to have the football game on during, during worship practice, and then I confessed to it to the prayer group right away afterwards. And I think it was, I, I'm, I'm not saying that, that football has become an idol for me, but I think there is a question, right? If, if I were to, you know, if I were to be pulling up the Seahawks score right now, like what would that say about me? What, what, would, it, what would it say, am I, what am I making more important than God in this moment? So let's go back to the original question that was posed by the rich young ruler. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks straight to his heart and identifies exactly what's going on and, and exactly what's holding him back. Today what we want to do is we want to give Jesus a chance to look into our hearts as well. I'm going to have the worship team go ahead and join me on stage. We're going to, we're going to give each of us an opportunity this morning to identify what's on the throne and then to ask God or to at least confess ourselves to God and say, God, I want you to be more important than this thing. The first thing that's going to happen when you do that is, is God is going to start to take care of the obvious sins in your life and, and God will reveal those things to you and you're, but you're going to have some choices to make. You're going to have some, some things that, that, that you, you know, God's going to ask you to give up your murdering, right? He's going to say, don't, don't do that anymore. You need to, you need to repent of that. Um, that was a joke, in case you were wondering. But, but God's going to ask you, you know, maybe, maybe it is stealing. Maybe it is honoring your parents. Maybe it is uh, some of the things that, that Jesus told to the, to the rich young ruler there. He's going to say, I need you to get these things Right, and you're going you're gonna to do that because, because the Spirit of God is on you and He's going to help you to work through those things. But then next, Jesus is going to dig a little deeper 
and we're going to start to we're going to start to discover more idols in our life. Once we've gotten rid of the obvious sins, then we're going to start to discover some of these other things that God might be working inside of us. It's things like habits, right? Where you just get up and you do this certain thing, or or when you're when it's late at night, you go to that certain website, not because you're even thinking about it, but just because it's just a, a habit for you. And He's going to start working these things, attitudes. Right? He's going to start exposing some attitudes in your life that are contrary to what he wants for you. And so he's going to start working these things inside of you. He's going to start asking you to do some things that are outside of your comfort zone, that are outside of the way that you would normally do things. It might be, might be uh, giving. right? It might be serving at church. It might be going down to a soup kitchen. It might be giving away clothes that... that you know, you really like them, but you know that somebody else could use them, and so God asks you to give it away. It might be whatever it is. God, God might ask you to give up some things. I know somebody that, uh, that attends the church here who, for a season, God asked him to give up golf because there was something inside of him that just said, I need to be at the golf course every week. And, I ha- and, and so it became an idol in his life to the point where he was, he was pushing aside other things so that he could play golf. Now, is there anything wrong with golf? Maybe. Depends on, depends on what position it's at in your life. If it's up here, there's something wrong with it. Now, he would say, God has allowed him, because he gave it up for a season, God has allowed him to return to the game of golf, but he has a more balanced approach to it. Now when he goes and he plays golf, he's able to use it as a tool to minister to people. And it doesn't consume him. And when, when he has a, a thing that comes up on Saturday, he does the other thing instead of going and playing golf. And so he's, he's learned balance. He's taken golf off the throne and he's put Jesus up there. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask We're going to ask, God, what is holding me back from becoming more like Jesus? And then we're going to learn a lesson from the rich young ruler today. And we're going to do what God is asking us to do. We skipped a part of the story earlier, but I want to to encourage you guys with this thought as we wrap up today. Luke chapter 18, verse 27 says this, Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. We've given up everything to follow you. We've made sure that you're on the throne of our life. Jesus says to them, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, nobody who has, who has given up these things in order to make sure that the kingdom of God is first and foremost in my life, that, that is, is willing to say, when, when I hear God telling me to do something, that I'm willing to do it, nobody who has done that, who has put God in the first place in my life, he says, verse 30, will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come. Whatever he asks you to give up, trust him that he's going to make it worth it. If you want to be like Zacchaeus today, devote yourself to God and devote yourself to God. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do just that. In a minute, I'm going to have everybody bow their heads. 
And I'm going to give you a chance to raise your hand and pray a prayer with us. By doing so, you're saying yes to the free gift that God has for you, this free gift of salvation. The Bible says that we couldn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross to pay for my sins, right? To, to take my place, to take my punishment. The Bible says that the wages of sin, the thing that I deserved for all of the sinning that I've been doing is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God knew we couldn't measure up, so he sent his son Jesus to take our punishment and to give us a second chance. If you'd like to receive the free gift of salvation, in just a moment, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to have you raise your hand. Let's go ahead and bow our heads across this place. I believe that God is working on some hearts in here right now. I believe that God is, God is speaking to you. And so in just a second, I'm going to have you raise your hand because I know that God, God wants you to place him on the throne of your life. Don't be like the rich young ruler. Understand what God is asking you and move to do it. So if that's you in here, if you want to accept Jesus into your heart, whether it's for the first time or maybe you're coming back to him after some time away, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand at the count of three. If you're watching us online today, I want to include you in this as well. Make sure to click the link in the chat so that we can follow up with you because we want to make sure that nobody walks this journey alone. If you're in here today and you want to give your heart to Jesus, signify by raising your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Is there anybody in here you want to give your heart to Jesus this morning? If you're watching online, make sure to click the link in the chat. Anybody in here you want to give your heart to Jesus? Just going to wait a couple more seconds. All right. So now you guys can go ahead and look up here. We're going to open up the altars. I believe that God has been speaking to some of you about sacrificing money, time, status, security, effort, whatever it is. God has been speaking to you about something that you need to give up in order to further his kingdom. Some of you in here need to give up your pride. There's something in you that says, well, if I walk down front right now, what are people going to think? Is that something that God is challenging you in today? He says it's easier to fit a camel through the eye of a needle than to get someone who is comfortable where they are to start moving. I know that God's been speaking to some of you in here, and so our prayer partners are going to come down. They're going to, they're going to be down here. If you want somebody to pray with you, whatever it is, maybe, maybe you've got something else entirely going on. Don't miss an opportunity to get prayer today. But some of you just need to spend time with God. And so in just a moment, the, the worship team is going to lead us, and we're going to give you some space down here at the altar just to come and to connect with your Father. And just to allow Him to, to shine. The Bible says that the Word of God is like a mirror that shows us what's going on in our lives. And then we have a choice to make. And I believe that that's what God has done for some of you today. He's shown a mirror on your life. He's revealed to you something that's holding you back. And now you've got a choice to make.
Father God, I just ask now that, Lord, you would give us the boldness and the courage to respond to what you're asking us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to have the worship team lead us at this time. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand to your feet. Prayer team, if you would come down over here. If you want prayer or you just want to come and just, and just drop whatever it is at the altar today. These altars are open. We would love to have you come down at this time. Worship team, go ahead and lead us.